Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders behind the meteoric rise of Bentonville, one of the most dynamic and fastest growing cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in America's heartland. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am thrilled to share the studio today with my friend and colleague and sometimes advisor and uh, often co-conspirator. Uh, let me introduce you to Jeff Amarine, Managing Director and Founder of Startup Junkie. Hey, James. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, glad to be you here. Bet. Welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, so Startup Junkie supports, inspires, and educates entrepreneurs and innovators by providing no-cost, one-on-one consulting events, workshops, and programs, and access to capital and talent. Uh, so let's kick this thing off, Jeff. What's your story? What's your background? And what brought you to the point where you founded Startup Junkie? It started with bourbon and bad habits. <laughs> Excellent. But, but truthfully, I, I was, a, I guess, a serial tech entrepreneur by affliction. Mm-hmm. Nine, nine startups over a, a long career in a lot of different sectors in telecommunications and in a variety of things. And one of the things I realized was it was really hard and it was a very lonely process. And so when I had an opportunity at the beginning of the Innovate Arkansas program to sign on to be an advisor to work with uh, good people like Ted Dickey and Mike Smith and Tom Dalton, I jumped at it. And that was the beginning in 2008 of Startup Junkie. This idea, if we could provide mentoring and counseling and training and guidance to knowledge and technology-based businesses, their outcomes would be better. The economic impact would be better. And that, would, that was sort of the humble beginnings, a side hustle when I was still at the university of starting Startup Junkie. But other than that, I spent time in three Fortune 500s, have been an active early stage investor, seven years at the university. You know, a bunch of stuff. It's probably a non-diagnosed attention deficit disorder. You know, 20 jobs over the course of 35-year career. But the last 15 have kind of stuck at Startup Junkie. Excellent. Sounds familiar. You know, well, you were glutton for punishment. Nine startups, and then on top of that, deciding to invest in startups. That's a... It's a definition of crazy, I think, (laughs) for sure. Sounds like it. Hey, tell me more Talk about Startup Junkie yeah, and its work in Northwest Arkansas and especially who do you serve? Why do you serve them? How do you do it? Yep. Yep. And so excellent question. Startup Junkie is an entrepreneurial support organization. So you could think about if you could take um, McKinsey Consulting and combine it with an event management company, that's what it is. We, we probably serve a thousand entrepreneurs a year through one-on-one mentoring. We put on about 250 events in normal times. A lot of those became you know virtual during the, the pandemic, we're coming back to live events. But we serve all entrepreneurs and innovators. The purpose of the business is to enable and empower innovators and entrepreneurs so that they can realize their dreams and build great businesses. Excellent. So a thousand entrepreneurs a year. So in what, roughly 15 years, how many entrepreneurs and companies would you it, say that just some supported? of those are, I would say some of those are, you know, repeat where we'll, sure. we'll, we'll talk to the same entrepreneur multiple times a year. 
but it's definitely in the thousands. I, I, it would easily be 10,000 people at, at this point. And we have something like 25 to 30 mentoring sessions a week across the team. And so it's a lot. It's a lot of activity. That's sure. incredible. How do you help entrepreneurs figure out whether they've got something or whether they've got an idea that sucks? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's not for us to judge whether or not something sucks because sometimes you can be wrong. But what we do is we have a toolkit. We're big fans of the lean canvas and customer discovery processes. So pioneered by, by guys like Steve Blank and Ash Moria. Ash Moria wrote this kind of seminal book called Running Lean. We will tend to, when someone comes in running at us with an idea and they're at concept stage, say, have you done any customer discovery? And the answer is normally no, or what's that you know, type of thing. We'll get them teed up with the tools that come out of talking to humans by Gift Constable and the Lean Canvas format. And the whole point of that is, can they define the assumptions that would drive their business model and then validate or invalidate those assumptions through asking really good questions of their customer segments? That's a process that allows us not to pass judgment on whether or not the idea is good, but the market can determine whether or not it will succeed or fail. It's a much better judge. You know, markets are ruthlessly efficient at calling the shots on whether or not something will work. Yes, they are. And by the way, I love the book, Talking to Humans. I bet I've read it 10 times yeah. and I try to read it at least uh, once a year. It's really an amazing book. It is. An easy read. And there's lots of far side like cartoons yeah. in there as well. So it's, you know, for those of us that like single syllable words and pictures, it's great. Yeah, the far side cartoons definitely dumb it down for me. You know, since we talked about ideas that suck, can you give me an example of a time that you thought an idea sucked <laughs> and it turned out that you were wrong? Okay. Maybe as an investor, maybe something uh, in your anti-portfolio. Well, yeah, and, you know, and I know Jeff, uh, I think it was Jeff Getz talked about that from Sequoia at the Heartland uh -huh. Challenge, and, I, and I, it made me reflect on some things. So I'll give one story, and I don't mind talking about it, and, and with all, all due humility, but a guy named Justin Delaney, who had built Minguin and sold it to George Zimmer. At, it became Generation uh, Tux. And George Zimmer was the guy that did Men's Warehouse. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, he, he contacted me. He's like, hey, I'm doing this next big deal. And I was attracted by a private equity firm to become the CEO of this thing called Buff City Soap. And I was like, okay, Buff City Soap. I'm thinking this is a lead into some kind of fight club play, right? You can't talk about it. But what Buff City Soap was, was it was kind of like Build-A-Bear for soap. And I thought, okay, we're going into a pandemic and there's a lockdown. This is the worst freaking idea I ever heard. This is never going to work. They're not going to sell any franchises. And I thought, that's terrible. I'm not going to invest in it. Even though I thought Justin and the team he was assembling were fantastic, I thought this thing will never work. So all he did was take the company from about 30 locations to about 1,000 in 18 months. <laughs> so that's one that was a miss where my instincts were completely wrong. And, and, you know, talking to Fred Gustafson, who was kind of his partner in helping grow that, he said, yeah, well, you think about it. People were showing up during the pandemic and what were they doing? They were creating soap. And what do you do with soap? You wash your hands. So you put your mask on and you show up and you still do all that. And you're figuring you're sanitizing all the time. Buff City Soap was a big hit. That's one that I missed completely. Okay. I have to ask you, maybe bust your chops a little. Do you mean Bluff City Soap or Buff City Buff. Buff, Buff City. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, Buff City Soap. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to check that out. And Sounds, there may be a Bluff City Soap. There and, is and, a Bluff City and, Soap. <laughs> and I probably would have messed that one up too. So, Well, they have a similar trajectory, and yeah. that's the thing that threw, yeah, me, yeah. Uh, threw me off. And, and talk about some folks who, who really got after it. Yeah. They were based in Memphis, the Bluff City, uh -huh. right? 
and I met the guy starting that in a coffee shop and, and he, he was going through and just handing out soap to everybody. And I thought, who has a soap store? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, again, a couple like of years build, later. It's, it's like Build-A-Bear. You know, exactly. Who ever thought that would work, right? What a dumb idea. And yet it goes like crazy. So that's one. You, know, you can't be right all the time. That's for sure. Sure. You know, thinking about our current startup ecosystem, I know there's a lot of great candidates, so I'm ready to just get you in trouble. What's your favorite startup that you've helped in the uh, past few years? And, and I'll go ahead and let you know that if you don't name a Bentonville one, you have to do a second one. Man, you know, it'd be easier to give you the top 10. It's, that's like asking me, you know, which of your four kids are your favorite? Yeah. Even if I had a favorite, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, but I will, I will say there's some that because of how long I've, I've been working with them that hold kind of a special place in my heart. One would be RevUnit. Mm-hmm. RevUnit is fantastic Bentonville-based business. And, and if you know the story of, of RevUnit, and maybe some people don't, it started out with uh, Joe Somweber and Michael Palladino, and it was two guys, and they were working out of the Bentonville Library. And they were, mm-hmm. they were people who had seen the trajectory of, of Rockfish Interactive. They were senior guys there. They left. They wanted to do things a little bit different. And when they started that, and they, they asked me to be an advisor and get involved, I thought, the, these two guys have that it factor, that where it, when you see them operate, even when it's just the two of them, you know that ultimately they're going to figure it out and figure out how to be successful. Michael was very technical. He, he ended up holding the CTO role in the beginning. And Joe was a good business person and understood the dynamics of how to grow the team. But that was definitely a favorite one. We saw that go from those two to 105 employees and a major investment from Mountain Gate recapitalization. That transaction created 13 millionaires, mostly employees and investors that were part of it. And part of the reason was not just the financial outcome that made it my favorite, but the fact that they built a really strong and intentional culture that valued people and shared the wealth when they exited. They had this really kind of novel phantom stock uh, approach that they took when people performed well that shared in the wealth when they had that recapitalization and that exit. So that's definitely one. It's hard not to also mention places like Ox and Mm -hmm. what Charu has done. I feel like, in a way, kind of a surrogate parrot for for Charu because when she showed up here, I don't think she was old enough to drink for the the fuel accelerator. And she has just matured so much. In fact, there was a really nice video that uh, Dell Computer and Business Insider put on her story recently. She was a Forbes uh, 30 and 30. And so if I had to pick two Bentonville, those would be two that are really high on the list, but I love them all and we work with them all, but those two have been exceptional for sure. Yeah, I, I just saw that story and, and reshared cool? it out on social media. Wasn't this that cool? Morning. Really yeah. well done. So, so good. And, and, you know, uh, I think about Charu and, and, you know, I wasn't here when she, she first got here, but my goodness, she is mature beyond her She's years. 20 years old, three-year graduate from Georgia Tech in industrial engineering, had already done research on it, showed up here, excelled in the accelerator. Her COO, Tanner Green, also kind of a wonderkin. Mm-hmm. I think he might've been 19 when she hired him. And then they've, they've added some, some people with a little more tread off the tires since, but those two have been, there's still plenty of headroom on both of them. They're, they're building a great company. It's very exciting is. to watch. There is. I, I mean, I think you would have normally expected a company with founders that young to, you know, how to change yeah. by now. Yeah. yeah. But no, they just keep going along and, and they're I'm rising to really the occasion. Impressed. Yeah. Rising to the occasion and very, there's a lot of professional maturity there for people that are so pretty early in their, in their careers. You bet. So let's talk a moment about how you serve all mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. regardless of their yeah. background and, and walk in life. You know, 
one of the things that I, I feel like is really part of the ethos here in, in Bentonville and in Northwest Arkansas is helping people not only feel like they yeah. belong, but absolutely know that they belong. Yep. How does Startup Junkie help underrepresented entrepreneurs? Excellent question. You know, the, I, I believe that startups and entrepreneurialism, the startup movement is a salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't say that just because I'm in it. I've seen it, right? I know that that is something that can really change lives in a material way. But in order for that to happen, everybody has to have access to it. And it has to be approachable and it has to be done in a way that that makes sense to them. And so some of the things in a very material way that we get involved with are things like the Kiva Loan Program, Mm -hmm. the Startup Junkie Foundation run by Caleb Talley, that's our 501c3, and Martha Londigan, who has been the lead for that, have done more than 80 Kiva loans. These are micro loans, 0% interest loans. And the vast, vast, vast majority are to minority and women. And the whole idea is if they get that hand up, and that ability to get that little bit of capital required for that piece of equipment, for that marketing campaign, it can make all the difference in that business. And I think it's something on the neighborhood is more than $700,000 now that has been loaned. Beyond that, we do lots of outreach with partners. To uh, We partnered on events with E4All, which is specifically focused mm-hmm. on bilingual programming for the Spanish-speaking uh, community. Uh, we'll partner with anybody that will partner with us. So we're kind of in many ways, because we were here before most everyone else, we've always kind of had this view that we're sort of the Ellis Island mm-hmm. for startups. Bring us everybody. Right, we have one tribe and it's innovators and entrepreneurs and small business owners. And we're going to figure out how to help them as best we can. I love that. You mentioned a couple of programs I really love too. Yeah. I'm on the advisory board for E4All. Yeah. I've helped mentor there, but also Kiva. And, and yeah. hey, I would say to uh, our audience that you know, check out Kiva. And if there's a, an area that's a passion for you, if it's women entrepreneurs, if it's apparel, whatever it is, check it out and, you know, throw $25, you yeah. know, loan $25 to every company in that space as they come up. Yeah. I mean, that's what I do. If it's in the greater Bentonville area, I don't care who it is. I'm going to loan $25. I know it'll come back. Yep. And it's not a lot. I don't have to do much, but it means a lot to them. You know, and, and, we, and we tend to think about that, that outreach or that inclusivity, thinking about race and gender primarily, mm-hmm. and those are the attributes. There also needs to be a real view on uh, inclusivity on people that live in rural areas and mm-hmm. don't have access. And so uh, Martha Londigan from our team and others have spent a ton of time traveling to Harrison, traveling to Mountain Home, traveling mm-hmm. to Siloam, traveling to Tahlequah, traveling all these areas that are in and around how we define Northwest Arkansas to make sure that those people that have high potential in rural areas are getting access to the kind of world-class skills and advice that'd be hard for them to get otherwise. So that's an important part of it. One other initiative that we're proud of, and it's just kind of in the beginning stages, was the Startup Junkie Foundation, with the support of a bunch of volunteers in Farmington, launched this thing called Upstart Thrift. And Upstart Thrift is a resale store. It's a thrift shop. All of the people that work there are volunteers. So their only expenses are the rent and the utilities. All of the proceeds from that will go towards funding Kiva loans, which we already talked about, and doing small business grants. Now, this one, a niche store, because of where they're located, is focused on Washington County. We have designs on taking that model and putting it up here in Benton County. Come on. Yeah. So that's something we're looking at. We see this as a model. It generates pretty good money every single day because your cost of goods sold is zero. And you're still selling stuff at a low price because it makes it affordable. It really is everyday low pricing. But the money you make can then be recycled right back into small businesses and entrepreneurs. And so that's another program we're really excited about. That's, that's pretty neat. It's cool. 
Yeah. So your team also has a podcast, the Startup Junkies podcast. We do. Seems like it's pretty darn successful with over 300 episodes now. We, uh, we never gave up. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Even though we probably should have, we well, never did. We're somewhere around 30 in, so we've got a ways to, to go with the Benton Bill Beacon podcast. Sure. But uh, tell our audience about, about your podcast. Startup yeah. podcast. So, so it, it, it began, actually, and I've got to give full credit, uh, an entrepreneur here in town, John Kedju, who oh, runs yeah. NWA Workplaces and, and also had the, a media group. He approached me. We had become friends. He was kind of in the startup community. He's like, yeah, you know, I do this podcasting thing. And he's like, would you want, ever want to be on a podcast? I'm like, sure, let's do it. He's like, well, what are we going to call it? He's like, well, I don't know. You got a pretty good brand. Let's call it the Startup Junkies Podcast. And I was like, okay. And I asked him, I said, is there beer involved? He said, sure. We will, we'll drink beers as part of it. So that's how it started in 2015. And, you know, episode one and two and three and probably through the first 20 were pretty boring. And it was probably the two of us talking about all kinds of stuff that was nonsensical. And eventually the thing kind of took on a life. I mean, we started to have fun with it and we professionalized it. And, and now after 300 and I think we're maybe 315 episodes, We've had 100,000 plus downloads. It's listened to in 100 countries. It's in the top 2.5% of all podcasts on a worldwide basis. And, it's, and we've had some amazing people on there, like Steve Case, you know, founder of Rise of the Rest, sure. the, the original uh, AOL founder. We've had uh, people on like Phil Libin, who's right here in town from Evernote. We just had some pretty spectacular uh, folks on it. And it's been, it started out as a way, as kind of a lark and it's, it's, it's not really highly scripted and it's very conversational and it was an excuse to drink beer on a Friday and talk to really interesting people. And now it's, it's one of the favorite things that, that we do that I enjoy. I really just love it. It's, it's always a lot of fun talking to great people. Uh, that's cool. I, I, I watch as many of your episodes as I can to learn as much as I can from you. I love that it's pretty unscripted. Yeah. It's, y'all are really great at thinking on the fly. Well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think it's more a matter of, I'm not real good at following directions. <laughs> it's not like there's a choice there. It's kind of like, you, this is kind of how I have to do it. So I'm not good at following, uh, staying within the lines. Excellent. Well, you mentioned a guest I'm looking yeah. forward to having on here uh, in a few weeks is Phil Libin. And so awesome I'm really guy. thrilled that I have that opportunity to talk with him. He's, he's a amazingly brilliant guy. He is. But there's, he, he's a little bit like, and I don't think it embarrass him by saying this, a little bit like a combination of Jerry Seinfeld and Woody Allen. I mean, he could do a stand-up routine that would have you spellbound. And he's just, he's a hilariously funny guy and a great life story. And, and just, we're lucky to have him in this area, for sure. He's really awesome. Absolutely. Well, I have to know, since you've got one here and you've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, is alcohol the secret to a good podcast? You know, alcohol is kind of, the relief from the realization that what you're saying probably doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, and if you have a few, you really don't care. You just hope that it's something cogent and a message or two comes out of there. It is a little bit of a social lubricant. We have fun with it. And we've kind of graduated on our podcast from strictly beer or cider, not that I'm shamelessly promoting either bike rack brewing or black apple hard cider to bourbon and whiskey, you know, so you can have a little sip of that. And, and we also kind of, do some funny things like we'll always claim them as an unnamed unpaid sponsor. If we're having something on there and we're like, gee, we really hope that you'll sponsor us in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but it makes it fun. Kind of silly product placement, right? Yeah. Unpaid absolutely. product placement. I like it. So your podcast is the Eric Musselman of 
podcasts. You know, he's maybe not that, that cool. Maybe not that cool. We're not nearly as cool as him, but you're right. He does. And, and he definitely has, uh, has huge social media presence. Yeah. I mean, when he gets done coaching, he could just be a social media consultant for somebody. He does an awesome job of it. Yeah. Do you ever follow like on his, on a, especially on his Twitter, a lot of the stuff he talks about, he's really talking about team and basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so on. But every time I read something he writes, I'm like, that's a business concept. Oh yeah. But y'all should team up and write a business book. And if you uh, don't, I'm going to try to. Hey, well, I agree with you. You know, I, and I actually think, I actually think coach Musselman and coach Pittman both Mm-hmm. They're inherent in what they do is really good leadership principles. Yes. A good example, and I'll, I'll give the, the Pittman example. When when we kind of got spanked, the Razorbacks did in the first three quarters of the Missouri State game. Oh, yes. A- after that, he didn't throw somebody under the bus and say we didn't perform and up to our potential. He said, I was outcoached. Yeah. And, and one of the fundamental things for leadership that I think applies to life that both of those guys are good at is when things go well, you pass along all the credit. And when things go poorly, it's on your shoulders. You take all the blame. And that is just such a fundamental truism. If you do that when you're building a startup team, it'll work. If you do that when you're coaching an athletic team, it'll work. It's just, it's a good way to live your life, really. Absolutely. Yeah. So write that book with him. It would be great. But you have to write it. Uh, or if you I, don't, I don't then I'll try to figure out how you can, I can. You can ghostwrite it. We'll right. just, we'll just, you know, we'll, maybe we'll co-write it. How about that? It, absolutely. That sounds good. Hey, so we're at the point where I hear pretty often Bentonville is the next Austin, right? And that's kind of one of those things I both love and hate when I, I, I hear it. And my response is always, no, we're not. We don't want to be the next yeah, Austin. Yeah. What we want to be is the next best version of ourselves. I mean, if you're the next Austin, first of all, you have to take, you can only be number two. Right. And you have to take all of number one's problems with it. We'll create our own and navigate those. So let's just continuously be the next best version of ourselves. And in fact, uh, stealing from Hunter Juracek back to the University of Arkansas, uh, one of the first things I ever heard him say was his standard is best. No, he doesn't mean we're going to win the national championship and everything. He means the best version of ourselves. What's the best version tomorrow? What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic question. And first of all, you know, downward horns for yeah, all things right. related to Austin and UT. <laughs> but, you know, go Razorbacks, go Hogs. But, but the, the thing I would say about that is for 25 years, there's been this thing where, first of all, everybody wanted to attach silicon to their name. Mm-hmm. You know, how, what a lack of creativity. And, and first of all, there's only one Silicon Valley, only one, not 10, not 50. Don't apply it to Hills. Don't apply it to Alley. Don't use it. It's, it's ridiculous. Lack of creativity. The same thing with Austin. Austin, Nashville, uh, some of these places are uh, Omaha. Maybe they're good peers for us. They're good peers mm-hmm. to, to use as benchmarks. But you're exactly right. We have our own unique assets and aspirations and constraints. We, we can have our own dreams. We need to be the best Bentonville, the best Northwest Arkansas, the best Fayetteville, the best Springdale, the best Rogers, the best Salem Springs that we can be. And we've got a unique set of assets that are different and potentially better than anything that Austin had. So, so why shoot to just be like them? Now, you can draw some contrast and say, yeah, in many ways, it kind of feels like Austin felt 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But some of the path they've been on, which includes things like congestion, lots of social problems, lots of other issues, we don't want to follow that path. It needs to be our path that we uniquely define. So so this area, Bentonville, you know, kind of in the forefront of it, Fayetteville, the the university town, Springdale, a very international place, Siloam, kind of Mayberry feeling that has lots of potential. We can be the best Northwest Arkansas we can be by exploring 
our own aspirations and our own identity and our, our own assets in a way that makes us something completely new and different, not like anybody else. You bet. I love the way you just described each of these cities. The way I liken it is, you know, we're in a region that has, uh, will be somewhere around 575, 580,000 people by the end of the year. And so I encourage people to think about it this way. Don't think about just Bentonville as a city or just Fayetteville, but think of Northwest Arkansas as being a city. And these are just all the different neighborhoods. And the really neat thing is that means you can bring a business here and your workers can be comfortable wherever they choose, their neighborhood, the things they want to do. Exactly. And uh, there's something for everybody. Yeah. There's There's something something for everybody here. And it's, it's, it's the thing that makes it really unique. It's not just one city with an identity. It's like five different neighborhoods in a way that are all a little bit different and fun. You bet. You know, we've talked a little bit about this then. So for founders and their startups, why should they be in Northwest Arkansas? And in particular, why should they be in Bentonville? What's in it for them? Well, well, proximity, right? If you're, if you're doing anything in, in any kind of space that sells into large enterprise, You'd trip over director, vice president, executive vice president, C-level people everywhere you walk in Bentonville, mm-hmm. or for that matter, in Springdale. But Bentonville in particular, you've got this strong concentration of, of vendors and suppliers and, and senior executives. So if you're in anything that's related to enterprise and you're creating a solution for them, it's a target-rich environment, to use a military term. You, yeah. And these people are accessible. It's not like you, you've, you've got to get some kind of decree to, to go see them. You're going to run across them. You might run across them on a bike trail or in a, on a coffee shop or in a restaurant. So proximity and concentration to great people would be one. The other thing is there's something in the DNA here. And, and I, a lot of places probably say that, but it's really true here to where when you show up, it doesn't matter where you're from because 60 plus percent of the people are from somewhere else. People here are like, hey, we're glad you're here. What are you working on? How can we help? I mean, we see that in One Million Cups, right, mm-hmm. every time. And, but that's not just contrived. It doesn't matter who you talk to. There's something in the DNA here where people don't want to shove you down. Don't assume your competition. Don't assume that, you know, they're going to eat their lunch, so to speak, or they're going to eat your lunch. They really want to help. And that's a differentiator. Spend some time on the Mid-Atlantic if you want to see what the difference is. Not to throw any stones their way, but cutthroat. West Coast, you could argue a lot of superficiality out there. People here genuinely want to be helpful. And, and it's, you know, draw one more contrast for you. We're in the Ozarks. The Ozarks are not the old South. Mm-hmm. The Ozarks are a place for 200 years where to eke out a living, you had to figure out how to do something of value in this place where you didn't have arable land. You couldn't grow anything really. And so people are, are by nature entrepreneurial and helpful. They had to band together. And so when people come here from elsewhere, they've captured that. They've built on that and it's gotten even better. So it's a melting pot kind of place where people are really rallying around this idea of being helpful and paying it forward and figuring out how to create this ecosystem that's really going to make it a place everyone's excited to live in, work in, play in, all that. And that's really neat. You know, I I won't say who it is at this point, but one of the entrepreneurs in uh, the fuel accelerator that y'all run today, I ran into him and I'm like, hey man, how's it going? He said, oh, I'm trying to figure out, and here's the thing is, from the beginning of the accelerator until this conversation, I did not get the feeling that he was really thinking about place having a presence here sure, sure. Uh, after the accelerator necessarily, mm-hmm. but was definitely looking for business. And what he said to me today was basically everything you just said yeah. about the people and people just falling over to help him. And he's like, it's amazing. They don't even want anything from me. They just want to help. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to figure out now how I can 
have an office here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It, it, you know, so follow on. And if, if Adam Grant from Wharton uh, is listening, I'm a big fan of his, the book Originals, and he wrote this book called Give and Take. One of the things he describes in there is three different categories of people. The people that are takers that are there to optimize their own situation. And you can, you can, we can all name 20 people that are manipulative that are that way. The people that are matchers that are always thinking about, well, I'll do this for you if you do something for me, mm-hmm. reciprocity. And then the people that are givers that just figure, I'm going to help these, this, these folks out because they need the help and who knows what will come from it, but it's the right thing to do. I think we are, we overperform or overweight, you know, to use a Wall Street term in givers in this area and it shows. And so that kind of comment from somebody out of the area, when they begin to experience that, it is, it's almost irresistible not to want to grow presence here, want to relocate a headquarters here, not to want to live here. It's just a, it's an unusual place in that regard. You don't see that everywhere by a long shot. Yeah, you bet. I've, I've uh, noticed over time that, that givers and builders are the same people. And you would think as builders yeah. being somewhat takers, but yeah. true builders yeah. are exactly that. They're just givers. They yeah. give and they're also doing their thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're one of the OGs of the Northwest Arkansas, call it the modern entrepreneurial support ecosystem not just in cold consulting and programming, but investing mm-hmm. too. So you've built, I would say, a legacy here. Well, thank you for saying that. Well, how have you seen our startup community change, especially over the last, well, you can start from the beginning of, of whenever you want, but especially in the last five to 10 years as yeah. well. Yeah. So first of all, that, that term OG, I think it might've been the first time I ever heard anybody apply that to me. It was, it was uh, Rise of the Rest guy. Jamie wrote it, right? Oh, yeah. He said, I heard you're the OG. And I was sitting there and I'm almost 60 now. And I was thinking, man, that seems like an ageist comment. He's calling me the old guy. And and I didn't realize that that was cool to be the original gangster. Somebody had to explain that to me. I guess I'm I'm not up on, on, on modern pop lingo, I guess. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll use that, the OG. But how has it changed? So, so I'll give you a perspective that rolls back to 2004, which was when I was running my last venture backed startup. And I was actually part, partly uh, HQ'd in Boone County in Harrison and partly HQ'd over here. At that time in 2004, there was no Innovate Arkansas. There was no Arkansas Research Alliance. The Millikan report, Millikan Institute report that Ross Duvall had, uh, had presented that kind of said, you're going to be dead last in every category if you don't make these changes had hit. And there was planning going on, but you, di- you didn't see it. I mean, there was There was no angel associations. There was no mentoring groups. There were no entrepreneurial support organizations. It was kind of a green field. At that time, the area was totally focused and captivated with the geographic expansion of the big companies that were here. And there was a lot of good stuff happening, but there wasn't a startup scene. It was, you know, nothing really. And then you could could incrementally, little by little, start to see these things happen. There were some pioneers in that, people like James Hendren, and, uh, who's, who was with Accelerate Arkansas, and Jerry Adams, who was the first uh, chairman and founder of the Arkansas Research Alliance, and Tim McFarlane, who now runs the CEO forum. Those were some of the people that set the foundation for a lot of stuff that came after. And so how it's changed now is from there not being a lot going on, not being a lot of entrepreneurial support organizations, not being a lot of investment activity not being much in the way of new starts or support for small business. Now it's vibrant. When we have, and you, you're on them, when we have these entrepreneurial support organization calls on a monthly basis mm-hmm. that Sarah Goforth, who's been amazing as a convener and a leader for the University of Arkansas Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, when she conducts those, there'll be 60 people on the call. 
we have a ton of resources whose sole purpose in life, and they all have maybe different niches, different focus areas, is to make sure that the startup and small business scene works. We've now got a bunch of funds here. We've got Atento here. You've got New Road, Cadron Capital Partners. You've got the 412 Angels Group. You've got the Blue Marlin Group that, that Becca Shaddix is working on. There's, so there's capital coming. That funding continuum is now fleshing out. Uh, in terms of events and activities, you can walk out any door in any one of these cities on any given day of the week, and there's something small business or startup going on. So that regular cadence of activity is really something. And we've got engagement from the chambers, from the large businesses, so that, that engagement and that community standing up around the importance of startups and small business is way different than it was. People are not giving you the side eye look saying, are you crazy? Why would you leave that corporate job to go start a new business? They now realize that it's kind of the lifeblood of the economy. And so it's changed a lot. And we're not done. It's a 75-year march. We're 15 to 20 years into it. We got a long way to go, but things are so much better today. And it's because of all the hard work that all these different groups and people have put into it. I, I've been proud to be a small part of that and to witness it and, and to look back on where we've, you know, where, you know, where we were and where we are now. And it's been kind of an amazing thing to be part of. Excellent. For sure. Yeah. Good fun. That's great. So what's the next big thing for Startup Junkie? Is there anything new and big on the horizon or are there events that folks should uh, know about? But there's always events, and right. in this, but, I mean, like two, two startup mi- crawl. Well, like it, yeah. we'll have another. We'll have another yeah. startup crawl coming. That's kind of an annual thing. There'll uh-huh. be another one of those coming. We we are, we have have this um, Arkansas Korea Alliance program where we run about ten to twelve companies in from Seoul, South Korea. That we get lined up with enterprises uh, locally, which is great. We're expanding that to Singapore, and that's not been publicly announced, but it'll be a very similar type of of format. Uh, there's going to be a new Cadron Capital Partners Fund, Fund 2, that's launching and is, uh, is going to be very active soon. We'll be looking at sort of Series A-ish type of investments, syndicate, and we'll be focused on the, the sectors that, that we're strong in locally and regionally. There's, there's always a lot of good stuff happening, and, and I would just tell people to stay tuned and, and pay attention to the social media feeds because there's so much going on. It's it's hard to keep up with if you don't pay attention. No doubt about it. You bet. Well, if folks want to stay tuned, if they want to reach out to yeah. you or want to learn more about Startup Junkie, how do they do that? Best way to do it is startupjunkie.org. You can you can check us out on the Startup Junkies podcast, which is is both on our YouTube channel. There's also a ton of free content on that YouTube channel. If people want to get an education in kind of an asynchronous way, we've got three years of content recorded. That was one upside of the pandemic. Uh, they can check me out on my LinkedIn uh, profile or on Twitter. I'm on there. I, I tend to retweet more than tweet. And it's always, you know, it's not controversial. It's always about the startup scene. I don't get off into areas that would get me into trouble. But yeah, that's the thing. Startupjunkie.org would be the best place to, to start for sure. Cool. Well, as we start wrapping up, tell me a story. And what I'm thinking about is a story that's a hashtag because Bentonville moment, something that's unique to here or it could only happen here, or maybe it just describes the essence of this place. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well. So, so one, which would be kind of a hashtag Bentonville, one of the very first mentor camps that we ran with our friend Permjot Valia, mm-hmm. who's the sort of, he's the Goodwill Ambassador to Arkansas. He actually lives in Canada and he's from the UK. Because, the, because Bentonville, part of that was we, he held the mentor camp here in Bentonville, and I think we hosted a lot of it at 21C, which is this amazing hotel. 
And he invited people in from Canada and from the Valley and all over the place. There were people coming in from Europe. And at that time, this is almost 10 years ago, nobody knew what to expect. People had heard of Bentonville because of the association with Walmart. Some of these people, I think, came here with really jaded view of what it was going to be like. And once they were here and they experienced, that was right after Crystal Bridges had opened and they, they, they started to see how this place works and all the activity and whatnot, a lot of those people fell in love with it. I mean, it really changed minds for these people from cosmopolitan areas or other areas in the world that previously couldn't have picked Bentonville out on a map. So the thing I would say is Bentonville is such a welcoming place. And even at that point, you think a lot of the stuff that's built here today wasn't here 10 years ago. It was still amazing then. And people fell in love with it. And that, those, were, those were influencers that now any chance they get, they figure out how to come back here to events, to activities. So that was, a, that was something that worked really well. And hopefully we'll get Permjot back to run a mentor camp in Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas again, because it was a big hit when he did it a bunch of years ago. Well, that is a hashtag because Bentonville yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm having dinner with Permjot tonight. So Excellent I'm going guy. to bring that subject up and ask him when the heck he's, is he doing that. Good idea. Um, as we get close to the end of this, before I ask my last question, what's something that I haven't asked, but should have asked you. Oh, why I'm drinking beer rather than bourbon, I guess. No, <laughs> that was what was available. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes the questions come up is like, what can be learned from the process of failure in mm. startups? And, 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 and what, what's the meaning? Nobody likes to get into a startup with the idea of failing. But the one thing I'll say culturally, and this is true of the U.S. in general, and it's for sure true around here is, you're not shunned or, or kind of sent away if you try something big and amazing and you give it your best shot and it doesn't work. The, the entrepreneurial scene, I think this maybe is a differentiator for the U.S. versus a lot of places in the world, is that you get a second shot and maybe a third shot. And what's valued is that you're working hard and you're learning and you're advancing. This, the pathway to success is paved with lots and lots of small failures. Now, you hope that you can use some of the tools and that those are not epic things that cause a lot of financial harm, but get comfortable with that idea that it could fail and you're not afraid. And there's groups here, entrepreneurial support organizations that are here to help you through that process. So I, that, I, that would be one thing I would say is failure is a part of it. Embrace it. Embrace the suck, as we used to say in the military. Uh -huh. And, and if you work hard at it, it'll eventually work out. Absolutely. Well, I feel like, you know, all the real good learning in life happens, in fact, through you failure. You learn a lot more through failure than success, right? Yeah. Well, funny thing. My last question is around failure. Yeah. You know, with your background and arsenal of experiences, you must have some great stories to share. And I haven't asked anybody on the podcast this question yet, but I know I can ask you. <laughs> um, will you share with our audience a significant failure? perhaps even an epic one, if you'd like. Yeah. And what did you learn from it that helps you help others today? Wow, there was a lot of them. So, so the, the very first business, real business that I ran where I raised outside capital was an international telecommunications business. And I was young. I'm still old enough to probably know better. But the fundamental mistakes I made there are kind of classic mistakes. We, we were good at selling, but we got expenses way out in front of revenues. Uh, you know, if you think about what was happening in the 90s, it was the go-go days of telecom and the internet. And so everybody was encouraging you, spend, 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 build market share. You know, don't worry about the fundamental economics. It, it, it matters how many subscribers you have, how many customers you have. We got expenses way out in front of, of revenues. I had the wrong people in the wrong seats 
in the business. Hired a bunch of people that weren't qualified because they were friends or relatives or whatever, you know, a, a bunch of different things like that. And then I wasn't real introspective. You know, I, I thought that I could power my way through anything. You know, I had, I was, I think it was John Lewis, who was the guy that founded the Bank of Fayetteville, is a luminary around here that passed away some years back. But he said, hubris is the first sign of an impending train wreck. And I would have been the poster child for that. And so we built this kind of sizable business with a good run rate, but all the fundamental economics were wrong. And eventually we had an offer to be acquired. I had a signed LOI and I thought I've won. You know, I'm thinking here I am 32 years old and I've figured out I'm going to line my pockets with a bunch of money. I've got this signed LOI. Well, it failed in due diligence because their investment from their private equity firm pulled their, their line on them. Mm. And so we were sitting there, I was sitting there with a company that was burning money, wasn't making money. And I had the wrong people that I, in some cases I was paying too much for, and I was spending money on the wrong things. And eventually the thing collapsed. And it was one of those things that if that had gone well at that age, I would have probably ended up being in a really conceited, to tell you the truth. But because I took that shot in the chop, somebody that had, had been pretty successful in anything I'd ever tried, it brought to me a level of humility to realize you got to listen to other people. You got to listen to the customer. You got to pay attention to fundamental economics. You got to have the right team. You can't do it all yourself. And it was a good experience. We, we call that, uh, the company was called FCT at the time. We call that FCT University because we all got a PhD level education and what not to do. And, and most of the people have done well since then. I mean, people have gone on their careers and we kind of, we were all sort of pissed at each other then because mm -hmm. it didn't work. But as you reflect back on it, you think, and we're lucky that we went through that, even though it was hard and it was ugly. Um, we don't make those same mistakes twice. But anyway, there you go. Man, that is a great story. I, I see a lot of, or I was jotting myself uh, some notes here pretty frantically, very common yeah. errors yep. that you see and exactly why folks need to early in their businesses turn to a startup junkie and other entrepreneurs, sport organizations to if anything, just be a sounding board for them. That's exactly and, right. Yeah, help get, get them on the path. I wish I wish I had listened to some of the the sage advice better at that time. I wish there had been entrepreneurial support organizations, and you know, I might have still done the same stupid things because sometimes you have to actually live it to believe mm -hmm. it. But the one thing I'll tell you is is the startup junkie team is informed by the life experience that we've had, and and I've walked the walk of the entrepreneur a bunch of times, and. And I, I wasn't omnipotent or omniscient in the way I did all that stuff. I made tons of mistakes. And so now when I'm telling somebody or I'm advising somebody or really asking the questions of somebody, it's not because I read it in a book. It's because I probably did it wrong at some point. So our, our, I view our view as I can't walk the path for them, but our view as an entrepreneurial support organization is to illuminate a path that only the entrepreneur can walk down. And hopefully if we shine the lights on it well enough, they're not going to step in the same potholes that I stepped in, sometimes repeatedly. <laughs> I share some of those same experiences. Yep, yep. And, and I think uh, the way you just put it is just the perfect way to put it and a great way to sort of go out with this show. Jeff, thank you for uh, spending time with yeah. me and our audience. Really appreciate it. And the things that you and your team are doing here uh, in Northwest Arkansas and helping us build this ecosystem and really being sort of the OG here, uh, <laughs> helping get it all started. So 
Well, James, thanks for having me on. And thanks for all you do at the Benton Bell Chamber too. You, you, all, you all are constantly a great and innovative partner. And that's, it's been a lot of fun to work with you. I'm glad we were able to get you to come up here and leave Memphis. Not that there's anything wrong with Memphis, but- Nothing wrong with Memphis. But Bentonville's great. This is, this is phenomenal. We're never leaving. This is it. We're done. Sounds good. Um, so, hey, thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. You know, without you, this show wouldn't be possible. So I need two favors from you. Neither one of those require money. What I'm asking of you is if you like this show, share it with your friends, whether that's through email, a text, social media, whatever it takes. The second one is, as always, come back and learn more about Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas, this place where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And of course, check out BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com for all the episodes of the Bentonville Beacon podcast and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player if that's the way you're listening. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.